Dharmavahini Chapter 11 The Three Eras The eras classified according to the principles and practices of spiritual progress as laid down in the Hindu Dharma are three. Number one, the Vedic era, during which great importance was laid on rituals or karma. Number two, the Upanishadic era, when wisdom or jnana was emphasized more than all else. And number three, the Puranic era, when devotion or bhakti was declared and described as all important. Vedic literature consists of hymns or samhitas, brahmanas, forest texts or aranyakas, and Upanishads. Of these, the first three deal with actions or karma and are known as karmakanda, and the last, the Upanishads, are concerned with spiritual wisdom or jnana and are therefore called wisdom texts, jnanakanda. The group of mantras in the Vedic texts or samhitas are full of hymns or stotras glorifying gods like Indra, Agni, Varuna, Surya and Rudra. The Aryans in ancient times earned peace and contentment and the fulfillment of their desires by sacrifices and rituals which were addressed to these gods through the mantras. They realized that the absolute principle, the Paramatma, is one and only one and they also knew that it manifests nevertheless as varied and manifold under different forms and names. In many Rigvedic mantras this is clearly announced. There is only one. Those who have seen the truth praise it in many ways, as Agni, Yama, Matarishvan. Ekamsat vipraha bahudhavadanti agnim yamam matarishvan mahu. This Brahman, the one without a second, is designated in the Rigveda as Hiranyagarbha, as Prajapati, as Vishwakarma, as Purusha. The Hiranyagarbha hymn or Sukta and the Purusha hymn or Purusha Sukta are classical examples of this vision. The way of living of the ancient Aryans is designated Dharma. It can also be called Holy Ritual or Yajna. Their daily disciplines were marked by rituals, worship or puja, praise, surrender and dedication. So their life was full of devotion or bhakti. The word devotion might not be used as such in the Vedic texts or Samhitas, but isn't the word faith or shraddha found there? To quote, It is only through faith that the flame of the sacrificial fire is lit and fed. Through faith alone do the offerings reach the gods who are called. Let us praise faith, which is the highest form of worship. Shraddha yagni 
समिधन्ते श्रद्धा हुयते हवे श्रद्धां भागस्य मूर्धानी वचसा वेदयामसी See how mighty the power of faith is. The simple spontaneous disciplines of the Vedic age gradually became complex and confused by the overgrowth of rituals and formal rules. With the passing of time it was declared that dharma consists of ritual or yajna and oblation or homa and that heaven could be gained only by the performance of such rites. Though the ritual was really a method of worship of the gods, value was shifted from the gods to the ritual itself. It was felt the gods were only the means, those who desired heaven must do rituals. Such was the turn the declaration took. Meanwhile, the Upanishadic age dawned. The Upanishads rejected material objectives as devoid of permanent value. They condemned them as inferior. In fact, the ritual portion, the Karmakanda of the Vedas, was transformed and revalued in the Upanishads as vehicles for the liberation of people from the bondage of birth and death, and as vessels for crossing the ocean of worldly existence or samsara. The vision of the Upanishadic aspirant, the sadhaka, breaks through this external, sensory, objective world and centers itself on the inner world. The Upanishadic sages or rishis collectively confirm the nature of the highest principle thus. In the basic depth of this ever-changing world of name and form, this Nama-Rupa-Jagat, there is the one eternal permanent being, Sat. That is the absolute, the highest Brahman, Parabrahman. The highest can be grasped by means of the wisdom of yoga, jnana yoga. Therefore, inquire into that. That is Brahman. Tad vijignasasva, tad brahma. This is knowledge of Brahman, Brahmavidya, taught by the Upanishads, the Vedanta. Besides, the Upanishads also declare, The Vedas, though mainly concerned with the human objective of attaining heaven, also provide the basic training for achieving liberation or moksha. The attainment of the Absolute does not depend entirely or solely on mastery of this knowledge of Brahman or Brahmavidya, it is beyond the reach of study, scholarship or intellectual conquest. It is only by devotion or upasana that it can be realized. If the scholar with all the weight of learning also gets immersed in devotion, his life is indeed sanctified. Before such aspirants the Lord will be manifest in his real glory. 
This is the meaning of the following declaration in the Brihadaranya Upanishad about the bond between the individual and the universal, the Jeevi and the Paramatma. The universal is the individual's highest goal, highest wealth, highest elevation and deepest joy. Ishosya Paramagati, Ishosya Paramasampad, Ishosya Paramoloka, Ishosya Paramananda. And the Thaitriya Upanishad proclaims thus, The highest Atma, Paramatma, is the source of contentment, for he is the embodiment of the purest emotion or rasa. Attaining him, the individual or jivi can be immersed in joy. If the highest atma is not shining in the firmament of the heart, who is to taste, who is to live? He feeds all with bliss, with ananda. The seeds of devotion or bhakti found scattered in the Vedic texts sprout in the Upanishads and begin to grow with many a blossomful branch in the Puranas. Well, many are yet confused when it comes to deciding what exactly devotion or bhakti is, what the nature of the attitude called devotion is. It is impossible for anyone to demarcate what exactly devotion is and what it is not. Devotion has infinite facets. Only pure, tender, tolerant, calm and loving souls, the very cream of spiritual aspirants or sadhus, the swans, the hamsas, sporting ever in the company of kindred devotees, can understand its purity and depth. Others will find it as difficult to discover devotion in a person as discovering softness in rock, coldness in fire, or sweetness in the margosa or neem tree. Devotees hold the Lord dearer to themselves than life, and the Lord is attached to them in equal measure. Some great people even declare that the devotee is superior to Bhagavan. The farmer loves the clouds more than the ocean, though the clouds only bring the ocean waters to their fields. The ocean does not come directly over their crops. This is how Tulsidas describes the relationship between the devotee and God. The clouds bring the mercy, the love, the grandeur of the ocean and the fragrance of the atmosphere and shower them over the entire land. So too devotees carry these great traits wherever they go. Just as gold is dug out of mines, these virtues are part of the divinity in humanity. The sage Durvasa arrived one day in the court of Ambarisha to test the efficacy of devotion to God. For this purpose he created out of his anger a demoness, Kritya, for his destruction. But the Lord's discus, his chakra, which demolishes the fear in the hearts of devotees, destroyed Kritya and started pursuing Durvasa to the ends of the earth. 
He fled over hill and dale, lake and stream, and leaped across the seven seas. He tried to take asylum in the heavens, but the foe of a devotee could get asylum nowhere. At last he fell at the feet of God, Narayana, in Vaikuntha, an exhausted penitent. However, the Lord declared that he was always on the side of his devotee, and that he would never give up the devotee who relies on him as his only refuge. I follow the devotee as the calf follows the cow, for the devotee gives up for me all that is considered desirable by the worldly-minded. Once Krishna told Uddhavadas, Austerity, wisdom, renunciation, tapas, jnana and vairagya, yoga or communion, dharma, vow-keeping rituals of rathas, pilgrimage. The merit acquired by these is acquired by my devotees with even greater ease. Reflect how great true devotion is. By its means an outcast, a chandala, can excel even a brahman. A devotionless brahman is inferior to an outcast endowed with devotion. This is elaborated in the Puranas. That which is described in the Vedas as simply, not this, not this, nethi, nethi, that which is declared as beyond the reach of the words, far out of the grasp of the mind, that which is unreachable by the senses, the mind, or the intellect, such an entity is capable of being felt and experienced by those immersed in meditation. Devotion or bhakti brings it into the consciousness easily and fills the devotee with bliss. The Bhagavan described in the epics, the Puranas, is not only the qualityless, changeless one, Nirguna, Nirvikara, Advitiya Brahman, the thing to be known, the origin of the universe and pure consciousness or Chitswarupa. He is also the repository of all the noble, elevating and attracting qualities. He is the reminder and refuge of all that is beautiful and loving. He lifts, energizes and purifies. The unmanifested, quality-less Brahman, cognized at the climax of the path of spiritual wisdom or Jnana Marga, cannot be grasped by the sense-centered individual without great travail and trouble. This is why the Puranas dwell so much more on the saguna aspect with qualities than on the quality-less, the nirguna aspect of Godhead. First, aspirants have to practice the discipline or sadhana related to the with-qualities aspect of God. This will endow them with concentration. And later, according to the law of procedure, from the gross to the subtle, they can merge their minds in the quality-less Brahman itself. The mirage leads the thirsty person far away from the tank.
The person then turns away and returns to the place where water is available. Reaching the tank, the person becomes competent to drink and slake the thirst. So too, aspirants seeking liberation or moksha get the desire for meditation and worship of the formless supreme, nirgunopasana. The Lord who is attached to the devotees takes up the forms that the aspirants and great souls seek, and out of his bounty he grants all four goals of human life, the Purusharthas. <laughs>